guys doing? Good? In the Christmas spirit? You tired of the Christmas songs yet? Some of you are. Some of you are Grinches. It's okay. Just admit it. This is a time for confession. All right. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 11. If you've got a phone, you can, uh, in the Bible app, you can get there. As always, remember, um, if you have the Version app, the Holy Bible app from Version, um, we have events. If you'll go to the events tab, you can find Church at Cane Bay, and our, our notes are usually there, and, and you can search for it that way. But we'll be in John chapter 11 today, so to find your way there. Um, before I jump in, though, I want to tell you about something that's coming up next Sunday night. So not tonight, but next Sunday night. So you just saw our pastor, Charlie Swain, on stage. Um, most of you know this. Some of you may not know this, but he and his family are leaving in January to go to Richmond, Virginia, to begin the process of them being sent to North Africa. They're going as missionaries with the International Mission Board. That's why the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that goes to support missionaries is so personal to us right now. Um, and our goal of $15,000 means a lot to us because it's going to support one of our own, really our best. And so um, we're sending our pastor, the pastor who founded this church and, and has led us really well, is leaving to, to go with his family to North Africa. And next Sunday night, we're going to celebrate them. We're going to celebrate them and we're going to send them and you're all invited. And we're just going to share stories and, and some stuff together. But here's what I'm asking you to do. If you can bring your best homemade ice cream or your best homemade cookies. So no Publix cookies. You got it? <laughs> um, so there's a little secret about Charlie Swain's family. I think they eat ice cream like every night. Every day they're ice cream. So, yeah, I'm not sure that's a good thing. But anyway, um, anyway, so we're... We're going to do, we're going to do our best homemade ice cream and our best homemade cookies next Sunday night, and just come and just be ready to, to celebrate with them, and then we're going to pray for them and, and send them out. Next Sunday will be their last Sunday with us, and so um, yeah, so we're going to grieve a little bit and celebrate a little bit together next Sunday night. All right, you in John chapter eleven yet? All right, so let me set this up for you. Last week, we kicked off this series called God is With Us. There's little cards in your seats, and you can take those cards, and there's some soap scripture that you can kind of go through during the week. If you don't know what soap means, we'll tell you about it later. Um, but there's, there's scripture on there. There's some songs you can lis listen to. That's why we give you those little cards, so you can use them in your huddle time and in your personal time with God during the week. Um, you can also use those cards to invite somebody else to come to church with you. Um, but we started this series last week called God With Us. And Dodger, our student pastor, kicked us off in an amazing way. If you, didn't, if you weren't here and you didn't hear the beginning of this series, you need to go back and listen to it. Because he did an amazing job kicking off what it means to be God with us. Because here's what we said. When, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it, it talks about Jesus being prophesied to be Emmanuel, which is literally a word that means God with us. And it's what Matthew's doing is he's quoting Isaiah, who was a prophet, who said that one day the Savior will be born, and he will be Emmanuel. He will be God with us. He's just not going to be a man. He's just not going to be a prophet. He's not just going to be the Savior or the Messiah. He's going to be the God of the universe, the Almighty God with us. That's who Jesus is going to be. And then Matthew says when Jesus is born, this is who he is. And so what we decided to do in this series is 
It's important to read the Christmas story and to understand Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And there's beautiful, there's, it's, that story's beautiful. But we decided what we would do this Christmas through this series is we would talk about not just Jesus as the baby, but Jesus as God with us. What does that look like? What, is, what does it look like for Jesus to be God with us? How was he God with us? And so last week we told a story about that. And this week we're going to do the same thing. Now, today's story is about a few friends of Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And they were siblings, uh, two sisters and their brother. And, and, and Jesus had been to their house, it looks like, on several occasions to eat, to hang out with them. They were close friends. But one day, Lazarus gets sick. And, and Lazarus gets sick, and Mary and Martha, his sisters, send a message to Jesus to tell him, to tell Jesus, hey, your friend is sick. Lazarus is sick. Come see him. And when Jesus gets the message, I want you to look at verse 4 because Jesus makes this curious statement when he gets the message about Lazarus being sick. Look what he says in verse 4 of John chapter 11. He says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Now stop there for just a minute and, and look at me. Nobody said he was dying. Are you with me? They just said he was sick. Jesus is foreshadowing a little bit about something Jesus knows, right? He says, his sickness will not end in death. It will not end in death. He didn't say he wasn't going to die, right? He says it's not going to end in death. And then look what he says. He says, no, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Isn't that interesting that Jesus says, no, it happened. Well, what happened? He's just sick right now. Jesus is saying something's going to happen, and it's going to happen. And you may not understand it, you may not get it, but it's going to happen because it's going to bring glory to God. In fact, it's going to bring glory to the Son of God. Jesus is speaking kind of in third person right now, isn't he? Jesus is saying, it's going to bring me glory, what's about to happen. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus at that point has heard Lazarus is sick. He's saying, hey, it's not going to end in death, but what's about to happen is going to bring me glory. And then guess what Jesus does? He stays where he is for two days and doesn't go to visit Lazarus. Did you hear me? Like he stays where he is for two more days. And you know what? If you research it, he's actually not that far away from where Lazarus lived in Bethany, but he doesn't go. Why? Why? Like... I think Jesus knows something we don't know. I want you to jump down to verse 17, and this is where we're going to jump into the story. It says, now when Jesus came a few days later, that's my insert there, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So the sick man has died. Verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him before he even got to the house. She runs out and meets him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you hear what she says? She's saying, in other words, Jesus, my brother, your friend, Lazarus, 
He died because you weren't here. Now, is that why? Now, here's the thing. I want, I want you to see this. See, Martha seems to be saying that she knows Jesus has supernatural power because she says, hey, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. So she knows there's something powerful about Jesus, right? And yet, she's questioning his plan and his timing. Are you with me? She says, I, I know you could have saved my brother Jesus, but you weren't here. You were absent or apathetic. Now, that's pretty strong words, right? But again, she knows Jesus. She's a friend of Jesus. She's just figuring out who he really is. I've got to ask you a question. Have you ever felt like when there was a time in your life when God just seemed absent? Like, I, don't, I don't know about you. But, but I've, I've been there. I have a feeling everybody in this room has been there when you prayed and you just felt like God was eerily silent. Like it just didn't seem like he was there or that he cared or that he was answering. And maybe, maybe, maybe right now feels like that to you. Maybe you're walking through something right now and it just seems like God is nowhere to be found. You see... Here's what I want you to know. We know that Jesus intentionally waited a few days to go see Lazarus because he knew something that Martha did not know. He does not go to intervene to keep Lazarus from dying because he knows this. He knows, and he's already said it, that God is going to get more glory from Lazarus dying than if Lazarus had stayed alive. Is that not crazy? Listen, I'm just going to tell you, my circumstances and your circumstances, no matter how dark they get, no matter how lonely it feels, no matter what you walk through, our circumstances never tell the whole story. They never tell the whole story. To Martha, Lazarus' death seems so final and Jesus seems so absent, but neither one of those things were true. Did you hear me? Neither one of those things was really true because Lazarus' story was not finished and Jesus was not nearly as absent or, ap absent or apathetic as it seems. Jesus was actually right on time, but Martha didn't realize that. If God seems distant in your life right now, just wait. Just hang on and keep talking to Him and keep reading what He says is true. There's this verse in Psalms that David writes in Psalm 27, and it says this. It says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Listen, I don't know what you might be walking through right now, but here's what I do know. That at Christmas time, stats always say that somehow the joy of the season and the chaos of everything around Christmas seems to often remind us of the brokenness in our own lives and in our families and in our past. Listen, I just want you to know, your circumstances don't tell the whole story, no matter what they look like. Your story's not over. Just wait on the Lord. You see, that's actually the story of Christmas. Did you know that? Now, the story of Christmas is that people had waited for centuries they had waited for 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for the Messiah, to, for God to show up to make this thing right, for God to intervene, for God to do something, and yet he seemed so silent. Did you know there were 400 years before Jesus was born that there was no real prophecy? It was a time of darkness. It was a time when God seemed so silent, and yet the prophet said one day he's going to send a light. One day he's not going to leave us in darkness. One day he's going to show up and redeem us. One day he's going to save us. And at just the right time, when the night seemed the darkest, hope arrived and Jesus was born because God always shows up on time because God is not absent or apathetic. God always has a plan. So last week, listen. Last week, Dodger did this thing, and I just loved it, so I'm just going to do it. I don't know if I can do it like Dodger, but he had us all speak truths together, like say things together that we know is true based on what the Bible says. So there's something powerful about doing that, so I want us to do it again. Listen, if Jesus really is God with us, then I can trust that God has a plan. So I just want us to say that. So I'm going to say the little part right here in white, and you say the part in yellow. You right? You ready? If Jesus is really God with us, then I can trust God's plan. God has a plan, and he can be trusted. His timing and purpose may not make sense right now, but you can trust that God has a plan. Now, after Martha tells Jesus, you should have been here sooner, look at what she says. She continues to say something to Jesus. Look at verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. She says, look, Jesus, I know you're powerful. She's already said that. And she says, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. And look at verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, he's he's saying, your your brother's going to rise again, like he's going to live again. And verse 24, Martha says to him something that was a common Jewish belief among the Pharisees. They believed that there would be a future resurrection, that people would, that God would raise them from the dead. And, and so Martha says that, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And look at verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, stop there for just a second. What what he's saying to her is, Martha, I hear what you believe. You believe that one day he will rise again. But, but, but Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the one who, who rises people from the dead. I'm the one who gives the power for them to rise. And if you believe in me, you, you will live. In fact, if you believe in me, you'll never really die. Even though you die, you'll never really die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? And look at what she says. Look at how she responds in verse 27. She says to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. She, said, she makes a, a profound, bold statement. She says, I, I, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you are who the prophets prophesied you to be. I believe you, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior that God promised who is coming into the world. Now, I want to point out a few things of, about this passage real quick. I want you to notice something, that Jesus does not say 
And I don't know what they believed exactly about the Messiah. I, I know that Martha sees him as the Messiah, the promised one that God would send. But I don't know that she fully grasped what that meant. I don't know if we still sometimes grasp what it really means. But, but, but here's the thing. Jesus doesn't say, Martha, yes, one day I can promise resurrection for your brother and for you and everybody else. He doesn't say one day, yes, Martha, this will happen. He says, I am the resurrection and the life right now today. I'm in it. It's not going to happen when I die and rise again. It's not going to happen one day in the future at the end of the world, like when everything, when God, when God brings Jesus back. Like, no, it, today I am the resurrection and the life. He says, do you believe this, Martha? I think it's a pointed question that he's asking her because, see, here's the thing. Resurrection is not just something that will happen one day. Heaven's not just something, eternal life's not just something off in the distance that you're just waiting for. Listen, eternal life just doesn't begin one day when you die. If you believe in Jesus, eternal life begins right now, today. Remember, think about this. Jesus had not even died yet. But he calls himself the resurrection and the life. Are you with me? We look back and we see that and say, oh, those aren't odd words. He had not even died yet and been resurrected. And he says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is saying, Martha, this is not about one future day. Martha, if you believe in me, life begins today. Listen, I want to tell you this. Jesus didn't somehow obtain power over death the day he died and was resurrected. He had power over death the day he talked to Martha. Because he was God with us. He didn't become God. He, he was God with us. And he's saying, Martha, I am God right now. I have power over death today. I'm not going to earn it. I have it. And he was about to prove it. Listen, the Bible says that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead now is in us if you believe and follow Jesus. There's this verse in Ephesians chapter 1 that says this. It says, I also pray. Paul was writing to the Ephesians and he was just, he said, he said, I, I'm praying for you. And look what he prays. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in you today. Not one day, not one day when you die, but today you have resurrection power in you. Power over sin and death forever now is in you because of Jesus. So I want us to say this together. If Jesus really is God with us, then I can have power. Can you say that with me? Is it up, up there? Okay. If Jesus really is God with us, then I can have God's power. Do you believe that? Like, that the power of the Almighty God is in you. You can live in victory and in confidence and hope that sin and death no longer have a hold on you. You can live a resurrected, abundant, full life. See, we don't believe in the resurrection. We believe in Jesus who was resurrected. Are you with me? We don't hope in a future eternal life. We hope in Jesus today. And if you believe in Jesus, the God who conquered death now lives in you. There's this song that we've sung here before, and I just love it. It's called In Christ Alone. And it says, there's no guilt in life. No fear in death. 
This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Look at verse 32. Now when Mary comes, all right, so Martha's already had this conversation with Jesus, and now Mary comes from the house. And it says, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sounds similar, doesn't it? In fact, I think Mary and Martha had already had a conversation about this in the house, don't you think? Think they already been like, where's Jesus? Well, I think this. I mean, they're, they're, they say exactly the same thing. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then look at verse 35. Jesus wept. Jesus doesn't say, to Mary, oh Mary, your sister has already asked me that question. She doesn't. He doesn't say to Mary, Mary, stop your crying. Like you don't know the end of the story. He, do, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, if you believed in me, Mary, you wouldn't really cry because you'd know the end of the story, how this is all going to work out. You know, when I was growing up, uh, my dad is a great dad, and so, um, so I, I just want to preface it by saying he's a great dad, but sometimes he said to me the things that sometimes dads say, which is, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. I've often heard other other men sometimes say, you know, tears are for wimps, and thankfully my dad never told me that, because that's just not true. Um, here, here's the thing. Verse 35 that we just says that Jesus wept is the shortest verse in the Bible, and yet is probably one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. That Jesus, God with us, wept with Mary. He wept with her. Do you hear me? Like, she might not... She might not have understood all that was happening. She may not have understood. Maybe her eyes were on her circumstances. I don't know. But he entered into her pain and her loss, and he just wept with her. That's an incredible picture to me that the God of all the universe, the God that was with us, was willing to stand there and not lecture her but cry with her. The Almighty God who created all things and knew the end of the story. And yet He just stands there and weeps. What does it look like for God to cry? Mary saw it. He just wept with her. And He doesn't say this time, oh, you have little faith. No. He doesn't even say, everything happens for a reason. He just weeps with Mary. And sometimes... You and I need to know that the Son of God, the Savior of the world, God with us, in the midst of our loss and our brokenness and our pain, is not there to lecture us, but just to be with us. You see, if Jesus really is God with us, then I can know that God is present with me, right? I can know that He's with me. Would you say that out loud with me together? If Jesus really is God with us, 
then I can know God's presence. He never left you. He never will. You are not alone. The God of all the universe, his desire from the very beginning of the Bible to the end and still today was to be with you. That's the whole story of Jesus. Now the words of verse 33, I want you to look back. The words in verse 33 say Jesus was deeply moved or greatly troubled. They probably mean he was not just sad, but these words actually mean that he was upset. He was a little angry. Like he wept, so, so there, there's, there's sadness there, but he, he's also upset, he's greatly troubled and disturbed. Now, spoiler alert, okay? Spoiler alert, Jesus is going to raise this man from the dead. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry, I gave away the end. But, see, here's the thing. Jesus knows the end of the story, right? He knows what he's about to do. Like, nobody else does really at this point, but he knows what he's about to do. But he still cries in the midst of it, right? He still weeps. I think he cries, yes, to be empathetic with Mary and Martha. Yes, because he's with her and he enters into her pain. But I think he's also crying because he sees the painful consequences of death. You see, here's the thing. Death is not how it was supposed to be. It is not how God designed or desired it. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. That death is here because of sin. That this is brokenness. That this is not the end. But in the midst we experience pain and loss and death in the middle part. You see, death is not what God wanted for us. Death is ugly and painful and wrong, and there's nothing really good about it. Now, I know God can bring good out of every situation, and Jesus is about to, but I believe Jesus weeps because he sees people experience the painful brokenness of the world we live in, and he cries over it because he doesn't like death just like you and I don't like it. We can mourn death. It's okay to cry. It's okay to cry and weep over loss, over loss. But, but listen, if we know Jesus, we don't mourn as people without hope. Because it's not the end of the story. Now for the end of the story. You ready? Verse 38, look. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. In other words, he really is dead. You with me? Y'all don't get the humor of that. Okay. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you? Listen to what Jesus responds to her. Martha's saying, He really is dead, Jesus, I promise. Like, He's really dead. You're about to realize it. And Jesus says to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Did you catch that? Did you, did you catch that? Like, I'm going to pray this kind of like Jesus prayed it, although I, 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 I hesitate doing this. But, but Jesus is doing something like this. Father, I thank you that you heard me. I, I'm, I know you always hear me, God, but I'm saying this out loud right now so that they can know that, I, that you have the power to raise the dead and that you sent me to them. Like, do you see what he's doing there? He's like, it's, this is vulnerable, authentic prayer where Jesus is going, God, thank you that you heard me. God, I, I know you always hear me. 
Like, I, I know you do, but I'm saying this so that they know who you are and who I am. Now, look, verse 43. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. And many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. This is crazy stuff. Like last week he's walking on water, right? And this week he's raising a guy from the dead. And they stood there. And it says many of them believed in him. Listen, every single one of them should have believed in him. But here's what I know. Seeing's not always believing, right? They saw Jesus raise somebody from the dead. Who is this man that walks on water? Who is this man that calms the storm? Who is this man that raises the dead? Maybe he really is who he says he is. Maybe he really is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus has power over death and the grave. A stinky four-day-old dead man came out of the tomb. And it's just foreshadowing to what's going to happen to Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to Martha just a few verses earlier? He made a promise. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. You see, anyone can say that. But Jesus proved his promise when he brought Lazarus back to life. He proved that he has the power to fulfill his promise. And then later on, he died and he rose again to prove his promise to you and me. That he has power over sin and death forever. Listen, if Jesus really is God with us, then I can be sure of God's promise. Will you say that with me? If Jesus really is God with us, then I can be sure of God's promise. If Jesus is God with us, then death does not win. If Jesus is God with us, things are not out of control. I can trust God's plan. If Jesus is God with us, I don't have to be afraid because I have God's power in me today. If Jesus is God with us, then I am not alone. I can know God's presence. He is with me. He never left me and He never will. And if Jesus is God with us, death is not the end. I can be sure of God's promise that I will live with Him forever, not because of anything I've done but because of who he is. You know something? Lazarus eventually died again, didn't he? Lazarus later on died. I don't know how many more days or months or years Lazarus lived, but eventually he died. But the second time he died, I have a feeling that Martha and Mary and Lazarus all faced death a little differently than they faced it the first time, right? Are you with me? I have a feeling that the second time around, they weren't nearly as afraid as the first time. Because why? Because a guy who can raise a dead man can be trusted in life and in death. 
You see, knowing who Jesus really is changes how I live, and it changes how I die. It just does. You know, we've been talking about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering over the last several weeks. And I just, as we've been talking about this missionary from the late 1800s, Lottie Moon, I just, I knew about her already, but I wanted to read more about her. And I just started reading about this lady. And then I started reading about other missionaries who gave their life for the sake of the gospel to, to go somewhere in the world. Do you know she, she went in 1873? Do you know what the world was like in 1873? Like, not the same as it is today. She didn't FaceTime with her family. What would cause a single young lady from Virginia to move to China in 1873 to give the rest of her life to show and tell the Chinese people about Jesus? You know, I was reading about six hospitals and 13 churches that were planted because of the influence of that lady. But that's not even all this story. What would cause Lottie Moon to do that? What would cause Jim Elliott to do that? What would cause William Carey to do it? What would cause Hudson Taylor and David Livingstone and Admiral Judson and Amy Carmichael and Charlie and Adrian Swain to do that? Why would they give up all their worldly possessions, their comfort and their culture to go spend the rest of their life telling somebody about Jesus, saying, Jesus, you can have my life and you can even have my death. Why? Because they know who he is. They know he has power over sin and death. And if he has power over sin and death, he can have power over the rest of their life. They know that he's the only hope of the world. That he is the savior of the world. And they know that people need to know that. That he is God with us. And they will give their life for him. The question is, do you know this Jesus? This is the Jesus of the Christmas story. This is God with us. Now in a minute, we're going to respond. And I don't know how God is leading you to respond. Maybe you just need to come up here and pray or pray where you are. Maybe I'll be at the back. You can come and pray with me. And maybe you have more questions about who Jesus is. However God leads you to respond, I would beg you to respond. Maybe on your Connect card, you need to write down, hey, I'm struggling with this, or I want to know what it means to be a Christian. The man's going to come, and as they play, I want to read a passage of Scripture that to me is, I don't know why I want to read it. God just put it on my heart, to be honest with you. So I'm going to read this passage of Scripture, and I just want you to follow along and listen to these words. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 8. He says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us when God has chosen us for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? 
Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Not death nor life, nor angels or demons. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? Jesus is God with us. And we have nothing to fear. And we will never be alone. You can trust Him with your life. Will you stand with me? God, this morning, as I read these words, I'm deeply convicted that sometimes I live in fear. Sometimes I live thinking things are out of control, that you don't have a plan, or maybe that your promises aren't true, or that you're somehow absent. And and God, none of that's true. I'm well aware right now as I stand here that you are with me. God, you you have power over sin and death. God, that you've defeated it forever. God, you graciously, kindly, patiently whisper to me, you can trust me. Just give me your life and I'll show you what I can do. God, today there are people in this room that need to say yes to Jesus and I pray that you would give them the courage to trust your plan, to know your presence to understand your power and to believe your promise that what you say is true. In Jesus' name we pray.